0: wondered how taboo shame and lack of good sexual education have stripped away elements of pleasure in childbirth and parenting that are essential to loving intimate relationships join me for another episode of our orgasmic birth podcast pleasure in pregnancy birth and parenting as we break down and heal barriers and open the door to more love and intimacy in birth and life Think about when you hear sexual health. Are you curious how breastfeeding can impact sexuality? Hi, I'm Debra Pascali-Benaro, founder and director of Orgasmic Birth and host of the podcast Orgasmic Birth. Today, my guest is Dr. Rachel Rubin, a board-certified urologist and sexual medicine specialist. She is an assistant clinical professor of urology at Georgetown University and works in a private practice in the Washington, D.C. region. She's one of only a handful of physician fellowship trained in male and female sexual medicine. Dr. Rubin is a clinical researcher, and vocal educator in the field of sexual medicine. She's completed her medical and undergraduate training at Tufts University, her urology training at Georgetown University, and her fellowship training under Dr. Erwin Goldstein in San Diego. In addition to being Education Chair for the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health, she also serves as an Associate Editor for the Journal of Sexual Medicine Reviews. Welcome, Dr. Rachel. It's such a pleasure to have you join us today. You bring together such important depth of knowledge and wisdom about sexuality and
1: health. So thank you for joining us. I am so thrilled to be here and it's really just an honor to have these conversations and to, you know, to, to really help women and couples any way that we can sort of understand their bodies as much as possible. I agree, and sexual health is such
0: an important topic, right, all through the life cycle. But it's particularly left off the table a lot when it comes to pregnancy, birth, and that kind of first year or so parenting. Can you just give us a brief overview why sexual health
1: matters, and especially during these special times of life? You know, it's um, you know, I like to say sexual health is just health. It is a part of health, it is a part of how you feel, about how you feel about your own body, about your own pleasure in your own skin. Pleasure is so important, joy is so important. I find that I ask patients like, what gives you joy? And so many times there will be silence of like, well, you know, I'm always worried about the kids or my partner or I've worked and so much to do, like very little gives them absolute joy. And so then, you know, uh, sex becomes another thing on their to-do list of their many to-do lists. And it's not joyful and fun and inherently like, pleasurable, which is a problem. That's the point of sex when it's not tied in with making the baby. And so, you know, sexual health is really health. It is a litmus test for sort of how you feel all around in your body. And the, the pregnancy, birth, postpartum issues are a wild fire of hormone changes um, that can really uh, sort of really help you understand the biology behind sexual function, which is very interesting. Yeah, I love
0: how you say that. And I love how you talk about the hormones, too, and the biology. And I know that you often talk that, you know, knowledge is power and understanding those
1: hormones is important. Can you talk a little bit about that? It's so important, you know, I'm a urologist, so I learned a lot about men's sexual health early on, and it was in my fellowship that obviously now I take care of everybody, and when it comes to urology and men, it's always biology right it's blood flow Viagra uh, testosterone muscles penis erection all of those things. Very little do we talk about psychosocial issues with men's health and quality of life. And we should more, um, but it's all biology driven. The research is biology driven. And then when it comes to women's sexual health, it is all psychosocial. It's all how do you feel and how do you communicate? And, and the psychosocial research is so far along that biology is ignored almost completely. And it's silly because we are biopsychosocial beings, right? Uh, we never say about teenagers, I read this somewhere, I thought it was so smart. We never say about teenagers that they have deep, meaningful connections, right? Or they're communicating well. They have hormones and they're horny and they can't keep their hands off of each other and so biology matters. Hormones matter. And so when you are pregnant, right, your estrogen can be as high as 3000. Sometimes, you know, depending on where you are in, depending on the trimester, sometimes sexual health can go through the roof, can skyrocket. That sex can be very pleasurable. When you have a baby, it is a crash and burn where all of your hormones literally dive down to zero. And then if you breastfeed, which uh, can be a wonderful thing for you to do, I, I have no opinions Whether or not somebody chooses to breastfeed or can breastfeed. But if you choose to breastfeed and are able to breastfeed, it keeps you in a menopausal state with no hormones in your body for some people as long as a year or two years or three years, which the depletion of hormones can affect your libido, your vaginal health, dryness, pain with intercourse, just your orgasm, your desire to have it. So that's not to say don't breastfeed, but knowledge is power. If you understand the reason. Reason my libido is low is because I have no hormones in my body. It hurts a lot less than, oh, I don't care about my partner or I'm not in. You have biological reasons to not be interested in your in sex at that moment. And so understanding that is powerful. Yeah, really powerful. But what can you recommend? Because I know that's still, it's one
0: thing to acknowledge, right? That there's a reason. But do you have any tips for parents that are saying, I'm really struggling to maintain that intimacy and that pleasure?
1: Absolutely. And I think there's a couple things. When we're dealing with sexual problems, and this is for all genders, we really deal with four buckets. It's issues around desire, issues around arousal, Issues around orgasm and pain. Okay. So you may have, you you know, just saying female sexual dysfunction doesn't really mean anything because you may have issues. One person may have an issue with desire and someone else may have an issue with pain, and the treatments are very different. And so, first and foremost, pain is not acceptable. If you have pain with intercourse or pain with arousal or pain with touch, that's a problem and you need to see a provider. That is very rarely a a psychological issue, right? Uh, uh, Certainly trauma can worsen pain, but if you have a birthing trauma or a tear or something's not healing right, You need to see someone and you must advocate for yourself. My frustration is that women go to their six weeks postpartum visit and they're told everything looks fine down there. I'll see you in a year uh, for your annual. And that's unacceptable because if you are having pain or discomfort or problems, you have to check back in with your doctor. You have to make that extra visit and put yourself a priority. Remember, you have to put your oxygen mask on first. If you're going to show up to be a good partner, to be a good mother, uh, you have To take care of yourself. And too often, women put themselves last. And so, again, there is a lot we can do to help with pain. Rehab. Okay. If I get a knee replacement, I'm going to do physical therapy. It's going to be demanded that I do physical therapy three times a week. You have bowling balls come out of your vagina or your abdomen, watermelons, for goodness sake. And no one talks rehab. I know this podcast is different, but rehabilitation, your pelvis is bones and muscles and tissue and nerves. And when watermelons come out of there, it changes and you can rehabilitate that tissue. And so the most brilliant humans that I work with are called pelvic floor physical therapists. And hopefully you can put in the show notes. There's a lot of different ways to find a pelvic floor physical therapist, but it is so important for you to rehabilitate your body and take care of yourself while you're trying to take care of everybody else.
0: Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I recently was doing some work with people in France, and they give, you know, pelvic floor physical therapists to every single woman postpartum, right? And you just say, wow, how do they get it? And yet we don't talk about it enough. So I so appreciate you bringing that in. Can you keep going on? Because you talked about, you know, pain, what about the other aspects? What can people do
1: about that desire and pleasure? Yeah. So again, with pain, it's really important that it's often a muscle issue and a hormone issue. And so locally, vaginal hormones are safe to use when you're breastfeeding. There's a lot of content. The only hate I ever get on the internet is when I talk about this, by the way, the the midwives like go nuts when I talk about this, but there is no data to show any change in lactation in, in uh, a milk supply. Local vaginal hormones are just that they're local women be on birth control pills. And it's been shown to not have any effect on breast milk capacity. Capacity. and so local vaginal hormones will help with the pain and so you can recommend ask your midwife or your doctor for a local vaginal estrogen prescription and it will heal your tissue and make you heal better and then physical therapy to work with your muscles now if you have pain uh, working on the pain will help your desire right because low desire uh, if you have how often do you put your hand on a hot stove like i certainly never do it and so why would you want to why would you want to uh, you know have 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 uh, intimacy and i I think it's really important to focus on pleasure. If you are someone who can orgasm and most women orgasm from clitoral stimulation, external stimulation, and that gives you pleasure, then even if the penetrative piece is painful, put that off the table and have pleasure, whether it's by yourself or with your partner, um, you still can have great sex, enjoyable sex that may not be penetrative while your body is healing, but orgasm can still be a possibility or in your toolbox. And so I'm a big believer believer in, you know, pleasure, if you're getting something out of it, you're going to want to do it more. When I see couples in their seventies, eighties, who are still having lots of sex, and I see all genders. So I see have tons of couples. And when I the couples who I see who are still very sexually active, everyone is gaining something, right? Uh, Each partner is having pleasure and joy. It is never the one-sided couple where one person orgasms and the other person doesn't, uh, where they're constantly having sex all the time. And so you have to get something out of it. And so if you don't have joy or pleasure, Find the things that do give you pleasure and work with someone. And so sex therapy is always a good answer. There's no one who doesn't benefit from sex therapy. Uh, there are great apps out there like uh, uh, that you can go to if you can't either afford or find a sex therapist in your area. There's a wonderful app called Rosie, R-O-S-Y, that really helps surrounding libido uh, and low libido and just create community around it that you are not alone. We do have medications uh, that can help with low libido, just like If you think of antidepressants can cause sexual side effects, which of course they can, right? Everyone who they can be extremely life-saving and beneficial, but sometimes there are sexual side effects. So can there be medications that could boost sexual function? There can, and there are, and they work for the right patient. So we don't typically use them in patients who are breastfeeding because we don't have enough data. I wish we had more data and they're probably safe, but we just don't do it. And so I really encourage women to say, okay, understand what the biology is right now find the ways to have pleasure find the ways to enjoy each other to show intimacy and connection and then know that breastfeeding is not forever enjoy your breastfeeding journey do it as long as you want for as long as it feels right for you but know that I have a toolbox of things in my arsenal to help you when the time comes and maybe you won't even need it because your hormones will potentially rebound and maybe your own testosterone will take over and your own desire will take over if that makes sense. Yeah, makes a lot
0: of sense. And such good advice, because people don't often talk about this, right? I find especially postpartum women often suffer in silence. So this information is so valuable. Now, I have to ask you a question that I always love to ask, you know, I feel that sexuality has been left off of pregnancy, not pregnancy as much. We do talk about it. And you talked about for a lot of people, there can be even increased desire, but it's connection to labor and birth.
1: How do you feel about viewing birth as a part of a person's sexual health? I will say, I have not given it much thought until we had this conversation. You know, I always joke again, as a urologist, I am not an expert in labor and delivery other than my own labor and delivery moments, which I had an epidural because again, all of you who do natural childbirth, and I bet a lot of people listening did, you were all made of something stronger than I am made of. I could not uh, do it and nor nor should anybody have to do it or feel that they have to do it. There are many ways to give birth. And so for me, I, I never really gave it much thought, but I think the more we can understand our bodies and understand What they look like before. Understand that they're going to look different afterwards. Understand that that's okay. Uh, Understand the magic of the pelvic floor and the magic of the vagina to be able to birth something or the abdominal wall if it comes out uh, through C section, the magic of it all. And love your body, love yourself, because that's magic, right? What happens there is absolute magic. And so, I I do this a lot in my office where everyone gets a mirror. And um, every time I examine someone, they get a tour of their vulva and they get, this is your labia majora, this is your labia minora, this is your clitoris, this is your vulva, this is your vestibule, this is your vagina. And I talk through it the same way every time, whether you see me once a year or three times a year, everyone gets the same exam. And we don't do that enough. And people have this very ick factor often about their own genitals. And that's crazy because the genitals are capable of bringing so much joy into the world, right? They bring you joy from orgasm. They bring your partner if you have one intense joy life literally forms through there and comes out of there. And yet people look at that part of the body with disgust. Like that's what's so crazy, right? You had Rachel Gross on one of your podcasts who wrote a whole book on this, that the name of the nerve that innervates your vulva is called the pudendal nerve, which means nerve of shame in Latin, right? The shame that we are raised to think about our own genitals is so wild to me because it is joy, right? The whole point of it is joy. So I pray for neutral in those situations. And so, again, I know that was sort of a a not answering the question, but um, I I think the more we talk about body parts and what's actually happening, the better. It's really, there is is so much lack of knowledge of just the basic body parts. I love it. I have to say, Boy, do
0: I wish, and I'm sure a lot of people listening are going, why haven't we had a, you know, caregiver, a physician, or a midwife that gave us that tour? Like, I think particularly as young women, right, to have understood their body. It took me a long time to really do that kind of self-exploration and really learn. So you must be a lot of aha moments for a
1: lot of people. It's so transformational. And I can't tell you how important it is for people. I once had a 70 year old woman in there. She emailed me after the visit and she said, Oh my God, Dr. Rubin, I had never seen my clitoris before in my entire life. That was the most empowering doctor's visit I've ever had. I remember that email. I've had patients who say, Oh my gosh, I'm a feminist. Look at me. I said, really? We're feminists because we look at our own genitals. Seen so many patients question, why is this weird? Why is this uncomfortable for me? That's not right. That's not okay. How do I work on it doesn't have to be that way. And, you know, I think it's important. And so I wish if I had my say, right, we would take that sheet where we hide under, like we're mechanics, right? We hide under the sheet. So you don't see what they're looking at. They don't know what, they don't explain what they're looking at. Um, It's a problem and it doesn't do anything good for our own understanding of our own body parts. So in a perfect world, yeah, the pediatrician starting from even before uh, the kid knows how to talk you know, sees the kid and says, this is your arm. This is your leg. This is your nose. This is your knee. This is your penis. This is your scrotum. This is your vulva. This is your clitoris. This is your rectum, right? Those words, just every visit, every six months, uh, every year when they come in and the the vulva is no different than the elbow. That's no different than the, the knee. And so that way, if God forbid someone were to touch something inappropriately or to, or, or do something uh, that was not acceptable, then the kid has the words to say, Hey mom, so and so did this and touched this body part. And I know that you told me that's not like other people shouldn't be doing that. And there's no shame. And there's, 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 there's they can have words and they don't feel that shame. And so I, I think it has to start young, but we don't, and it should continue into your 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, so that you can see because your body does change. Yeah. That's so wonderful. Now, someone who's listening that doesn't have a caregiver like
0: you. What What would you say about what could they do on their own? How could they do some some of that ex, exploration themselves and honor?
1: I think the, the the most wonderful investment that most of you already have is a nice hand mirror, right? Get out a hand mirror and just look. And if you don't know what you're looking at, uh, a Google vulva, right? Google clitoris. Look at an, an anatomy book, right? Uh, look at Google pictures. Follow me on social media for goodness' sake, right? There, there. Uh, go on Instagram for five minutes. Um, you know, I think just getting comfortable with the body parts, and then also knowing, you know, I think this is really important with the patients or the people are listening to this podcast is when you have a child, when you're pregnant, when there are some very serious, very scary things happening and, and really, really crazy things that can happen. And then you have this, then the child comes out and God willing, it's healthy and things are okay, but there's also challenges and sexual health will continuously go lower and lower on the ladder of things that are important to you and things that are necessary for survival. And I am a quality of life doctor. I care very much about quality of life and spending time with people understanding what are the quality of life things that we can improve. And I think it is important to focus on your quality of life. And maybe for some people, that's going to be sexual health. For maybe other people, it's going to be that once a week walk that you take with a best friend or something that you do that gives you that that pleasure, that joy. Um, and we don't do enough of it and don't feel selfish about wanting to maintain your orgasm. Don't feel selfish of wanting sex, not to hurt. Um, you know, uh, it is important. It is valued. And if your doctor doesn't seem to understand or know what to do, the answer is it's not all in your head. And suck it up. The answer is advocate for yourself and find a new provider. And I'm happy to link, uh, have you link in the show notes. Uh, ISWISH, which is the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health, ISSWSH.org, has a find a provider tool on their website. Uh, and really, uh, you deserve. a a provider who actually will sit and listen to you and talk to you about these quality of life issues.
0: What great advice. Oh my goodness. And it's wonderful to be able to share those resources so that everyone can understand their own body and find joy and pleasure, as you say, in many ways in their life. So- Is there one last tip that we haven't covered that you feel is important to share, especially with pregnant and parenting
1: women and partners? No, I think again, uh, partners are important to talk about too. So again, that one of the benefits of being a urologist is I take care of any love triangle that comes into my office, All any genitals that you have, I can take care of them. And so, you know, to realize that uh, uh, penises, if that's your partner, don't always work on demand. And so with pregnancy and fertility, uh, we see tons of challenges of uh, gosh, we can't make a baby because the penis won't fit into the vagina. Either I have pain or he can't keep under. erection. And there are biological reasons for all of those things. And so please, please work with people who understand the biology and can help give you tools um, to either make a baby or to have intimacy uh, during the pregnancy period or even afterwards. But um, it's important to understand that these are body parts that can have problems like anything else. Erections are just body parts. And so they can have lots of problems too. It is not because your partner just doesn't like pregnancy belly, right? It it can be that the stress and anxiety of your partner worried that they're going to hurt the baby uh, can maybe cause the loss of an erection and you have to be able to talk about it. And too often couples don't talk about it and they avoid it because no one ever died because they didn't have an orgasm. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, And they, they, they don't talk about it. And then like the patient I just saw, they go two, three years and they haven't had intimacy with their partner. And she said to me, she's in her sixties. And she said, geez, like, I don't even like go in for cuddles anymore because I'm afraid I'm gonna give the wrong message because I'm not interested and my tissue is dry and irritated, right? Much like a, a breastfeeding a mother, menopause. And so there are biological reasons for her not to be interested. And yet she's gone two to three years, but she wants to want. And and the thing that was so hopeful is I said, we can help, right? We can help. There are things that we can do to allow for that intimacy to return.
0: So it's been so wonderful talking with you. There are so many nuggets that you've given and so many tips that I know are going to touch so many people. And they're going to say, how can they reach you? Where can people find you? Where can people follow you to continue soaking in your wisdom?
1: I would love to get all of the extra followers. There's two great ways. Please sign up on our website rachelrubinmd.com to get our newsletter, which we try to send out monthly and hopefully uh, give good resources and good education. Uh, if you want to become a patient, uh, we are in the Washington D.C. area, and we would love uh, to uh, work with you. Uh, and then, of course, on social media, I'm very loud. Uh, uh, I am Dr. like Doctor Rachel Rubin, R-A-C-H-E-L R-U-B-I-N on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And so. We we would love for you to get involved, get, uh, please reach out, send us a message that you heard this podcast and, uh, let us know how we can help. Thank you so much, Dr. Rubin. It was truly a pleasure. And for
0: everyone listening, we look forward to hearing your comments. And as Dr. Rubin said, hopefully you'll be in touch with her and let us know all your takeaways as well. Thank you. Uh... Thanks for listening to the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about pleasure in birth parenting and birth work, visit orgasmicbirth.com forward slash more for my free gifts. And please leave a review about your experience. Reviews help us to reach more people and please subscribe.